0: What does motion sound like? With Kizzik Free Shoes, it sounds a little something like this. Experience the magic of motion.
1: Get a free pair of socks with your first order at kizikcom slash socks.
2: Oh, love is love.
1: Hey, this is Steve Balton, and you are here on My Turning Point this week. But we are joined by my longtime friend, Grace Potter. You know, it's really good to have Grace back in music after a four-year absence, which she will explain to you in vivid detail on this really compelling and fun conversation we had at Nightford Studios at Sunset Marquis. So thanks for joining us. So the premise of the show, Mm -hmm. it's called My Turning Point. Now I'm getting distracted looking at your painting, or your drawing, by the way. I'm drawing. But, um, so, and it's normal interview, with the exception of every interview starts with the jumping off point of the artist picking a turning point moment in their life.
2: Oh, God, I love that.
1: Whether it is a personal, professional, mm-hmm. whatever. So what what would be the turning point moment in your life? <sighs> or a turning point moment in your life, because as I talk about this, especially when you have a kid, you know? Yeah. I mean, there's there have been many turning point moments just yeah. since we met. <laughs>
2: There have been so many turning points. I think it's important to acknowledge each one for different reasons. But I think the big, the big turning point I had that set all of this in motion was taking a week by myself in a cabin in the woods and living with the feelings of, um, is this going to be a solo record or not? And this is midnight, not daylight. This is this is four and a half years ago now that I. I was really in a place of like, why is everything not seeming like it's quite clicking with the band and my life and what is going on here? And so I, I just totally unplugged for a week and I, and I took a bunch of hikes and I just asked myself every question that you should ask yourself and like gave myself a lot of uncomfortable quiet moments to think about it and decided to make, a solo, make Midnight into a solo record. Um, which then set a lot of other things in motion that I'm still <laughs> living in the glow of today.
1: Well, it's interesting. So first of all, where'd you go? what What area? Was I it?
2: went to Topanga, which okay. is now my home, although at the time it was just a place I wanted to visit for a long time. and I went there by myself. and um, it was it was, yeah, transformative.
1: It's funny that you say that because Skylar Grey, who's been a good friend for years as well, was just on, and she talked about going the same thing. And I don't yeah. remember where she she went to another place yep. where she basically and you know and she like she was saying, for example, she never would have written "Love the Way You Lie" yeah if she hadn't gone yeah you know out there. And it's interesting because you know one of the things that comes up when I talk about with artists all the time, when you're in the midst of something, you have no perspective because everything is like such a as liam said it's such a bubble yeah liam gallagher by the way because he's not running back-to-back i just interviewed him earlier in the day yeah so
2: you're just throwing you're just name dropping left and right i'm just trying to keep (laughs) up with you here
1: (laughs) i do do a lot of damn interviews but yeah so but as he was saying you're in a bubble right and the thing is so when you're in that you don't really have time to think about things you don't have time to sort of digest everything that's happening And, and so it's interesting yeah were you surprised when you went out there by some of the answers that you came up with? I didn't want to hear the answers I came up with. That's what happens when you sit quietly for a long time. You get these crazy
2: thoughts. And there, a lot of them are you know, thoughts that you can't unthink once they come into your mind. And one of those thoughts was... Am I in love with my record producer? <laughs> you know, uh, which which ultimately was true, and it was something that was happening, even though I wasn't really ready to feel those feelings. um I was certainly in the midst of um, making an incredible record. I was really excited and uh, into the exploration of making a record with this guy. But um it hadn't occurred to me until I really sat with those feelings that maybe there was something going on there that I hadn't addressed yet. Um, and that that was the most terrifying thing is, um recognizing that I had fallen in love with someone and that it was going to cause an incredible amount of upheaval in both of our lives and, and many other people's lives. And it did.
1: It's so funny. As you say that, I'm thinking one of my favorite movies of all time is Chasing Amy. Oh yeah. And a great film. Such a great script too. And when she's talking about the upheaval yep. and, and Ben Affleck is like, that's every relationship. Yeah. But there are some that certainly cause more.
2: Yeah, and maybe in more of a concentrated period of time. Um, and I think my, my experience in my life had been a bit of a pressure cooker at that point. You know, I'd done a lot of touring, like 13 years of touring with a band and having a blast doing it. Um, you kind of stop wondering whether what you're doing is the right thing or the wrong thing until, until the moment that you go, wait, I could do anything. I could go I could go become a painter. I could, you know, I can go learn how to play soccer better than I did before, back in high school. Although I, I didn't do that. <laughs> yeah.
1: It's really funny, though, because that's something that's come up a lot lately as well. And I, and I think that, you know, as musicians, there are a couple things that go into it, right? One, musicians have been starting younger. Yeah. And people live longer. Yeah, you know, nice. it's funny. Like, I was raised Jewish, right? I always joke about the fact that, you know, I get the idea of the bar mitzvah mm-hmm. at 13, when you only live to be fucking thirty, then yeah. you're a man. Now that you live to be a hundred, yep. you're not a man at thirteen. No. You know, change it because no kid wants to go to Hebrew school at the age of nine. <laughs> you know? So this being said, what's interesting. But isn't it better to just
2: get it out of the way, you know? No.
1: <laughs> because if you tell a kid at nine years old you have to go to extra school, the kid's yeah. response is fuck that shit. Yeah. Or at yeah. least that was my response. Literally yeah. that was my response. But <laughs> when would
2: there have been a better time? Here's my question to you. It's like when would you want to go? You know? Like I do you think you, you would have gotten more from it later oh. on? I certainly would
1: have gotten more from it. Yeah. Or maybe I would have made the decision not to go. But Mm -hmm. at least you would be doing it because it's something that you want to do. Choosing or you choosing It's like, exa- for example, if you talk to people who start college at 18, yeah. and then you talk to people who start college at 25, yeah. who gets more out of it? A profound difference. And yeah. I would say the
2: older you are, the more you're able to value and be grateful for the things that, that come your way. And that certainly happened with me. Um, I was a teenager when the nocturnal started.
1: And that's where exactly where I was going with exactly. this. Is At some point, what happens is you have to recommit to music. Yeah. You have to decide, okay, because again... You know, as we were just talking about in the other interviews, I don't want to name drop, but as we were just talking about...
2: You can name drop. I think it's
1: fantastic. <laughs> but it's interesting because, again, like what happens is because like Liam Gallagher was saying, yeah. for example, he took four years off music because yeah. his personal life went to shit. Yeah. Well, when you take time off something, you realize, oh, crap, I miss this. Yeah. And that's what happens. Yeah. So it's interesting, you know, for you, it sounds like there had to be that moment where you kind of recommitted to music.
2: I wanted to... I wanted to make sure that music was healthy for me because uh, so many things had happened and there was a lot of unraveling and and I felt like I was causing a lot more pain than joy at certain points uh, and that my career and that the sort of the rise and fall of of you know fame caused m- more harm than good and so I kind of put myself through a little bit of like an elimination diet with my lifestyle where I just kind of went through everything that I do in my life and got rid of all of it and just reset and And, and music was one of the last things to re-enter my life um, after several years off. And so I love that um, that Liam went through that experience because it is kind of a way for a musician to start almost like when you have a debut record And all these thoughts and ideas, like everything that your life contained up until that moment are in these songs, right? Right, yeah. I mean, and then, you know, it's such a struggle for bands sometimes to, like, follow up that awesome debut record. And they're always trying to chase that feeling of, like, do you remember the first time you heard that Weezer record? Like, I loved it, and I was just, like, in. And then to try and recreate that is stupid, to try and go too far off in the other direction is impossible and you're going to lose fans. Uh, there's a lot of things about artists' careers that, that go wrong the second that they um, spend too much time making music. So I was really happy to um, and fortunate to have that time and to actually be able to take that time because not, not every musician can. Sometimes people have to just keep grinding it out in order to pay the bills. So I was grateful for that time.
1: And it's interesting. So, you know how does all of that manifest in the new album how does all of it manifest in daylight where you see it's funny because it's like i would imagine as well i, I mean look it's funny we you know as you get older yeah. everybody yeah you just have a deeper appreciation for things yeah. and especially i think i've found that to be true in music mm-hmm. because it is such a cyclical thing so for example You know, when it's early on and you have that first brush of fame or your first sold out show or you're fucking on tour with Robert Mm -hmm. Plant for the first time, you just assume like it's I'll give an example, right? I just interviewed Patti Smith recently and it was the second time, but it was the first time in 20 something years. Wow. It was I appreciated the second one so much more because when you're 20 something and you do it, you're like, oh, shit, this will be every day.
2: And then it sinks in.
1: Yeah, it's like, okay, this Wait, is I not long. It's yeah. been
2: twenty years. Where's Patty Smith been this whole time? Yeah. Yeah.
1: What the hell, man? I <laughs> wasn't returning my calls. What the fuck? Yeah. <laughs> but it's true, you just have a deeper appreciation for it because now you have the perspective and understanding to know, oh, yeah. this isn't gonna happen every day, you know? Exactly.
2: Yeah, I that's that was definitely what happened with daylight. I, I really am looking at it as um, in a lot of ways this is a, a career. Um, reset for me from the beginning because I revisited the music I was writing when I was like 13 14 years old before, before I had a band before I knew that I even wanted to make music you know I had this opportunity to explore um, my instincts in a new way um, while touching with like it's uh, there's this great scene from that um awesome uh, Richard Linklater movie before before Sunrise, where Julie Delphi is talking to Ethan Hawk about how she she was reading an old journal of herself when she was thirteen. And as she read through the journal, she realized, wow, i I deal with things emotionally in the exact same way that I did when I was thirteen. <laughs> maybe my vocabulary is better. Maybe my handwriting's better. But I seem to be reasoning through my life in a very similar way and i loved going back to that and realizing that i'm i'm very much like that as well and, um, and yet I have this emotional fortitude and a lot more life under my belt now. So I've got more content. I've got a lot more to write about, and it can be autobiographical. You know? Well,
1: it's interesting because also you can now, exactly, you can tie it in with that experience. Yeah. But it is interesting to see. So were there things that you, when you went back and revisited these songs, things you had written when you were 13, that you're like, oh, you know, it's interesting because one of my favorite songs of all time is Jackson Brown these days.
2: Oh, me too.
1: And, you know, again, when you think about the fact that, you know, he wrote that when he was 16, Yeah, it feels so precocious but I've been fortunate to name drop and get to interview him several times Yeah, and as we've talked about it's like it's funny because the songs turn out to be prophetic and it's interesting how stuff you write when you're a kid becomes relevant to your life later on so were there things that you found that you're surprised to find that you're still dealing with even though you're now a mom you had a career You know, a lot of the same emotional upheaval
2: all of the same emotional upheaval in fact and I'm gonna I'm gonna one up you on the name dropping right now (laughs) go for it Jackson was at my house on Saturday night and we had a listening party for for the album where we played just for some close friends we played through the whole thing
1: and my invite got lost in the mail I'm sorry I'm (laughs) sorry
2: it was very it was not like we weren't really planning ahead in fact I think the folks from Fantasy will concur that uh, the record company was like wait you're doing what at the why hello Anyway, it's all
1: good. I was watching the Red Hot Chili Peppers at a backyard party. Yeah, That's exactly. Right. But yeah,
2: yeah. But I, I th- see again. You're double name dropping. <laughs> okay, you're doubling down on the name drop. But Jackson was, ta- and we talked about these days, and we talked about how when you put out a record, it's not just your story anymore. It becomes everybody's story, and I. I'm not, I don't have enough songs in my artillery that mean that much to people to really understand what it might be like if this record. Um, affects people the way it's been affecting just the few folks who've heard the whole thing it'll be really interesting as I get older and play these songs to see how it resonates and works its way through the world and how these songs change for me because Jackson sings these days probably every night you know and and a lot of other songs that mean a lot to people that Jackson has written and he said I, I see that with this record and I think that you're you're about to go on the journey of experiencing what the very thing I was asking him, which is like, how do you just let it go and be everyone else's song? You know? How how do you watch yourself sing a song like these days and and have the whole crowd place a totally different meaning on it than what you meant when you wrote it? He was like, Well, I haven't been the age I was when I wrote that song for a long time, so I've had that perspective.
1: That's so interesting and it, it's funny because I think that it's interesting to hear your perspective on it, because, for me, who interviews so many songwriters, yeah, it's funny, I think most everyone lets it go as soon as they do it, and the mm-hmm. reason being is that you know, but it's interesting because I think now in this day and age with social media, yeah. even if it's a song that doesn't get a hundred million streams or yeah. whatever the fuck they get now, yeah, right, you still can hear from two people that it means so much to them, yeah. so instantly. And now you have that direct, con- you know—that's
2: gratification. I- and I, I remember
1: watching years ago on PBS this James Taylor live concert, mm-hmm. and it was the, the and the most fun thing about it was watching the audience respond to "In Fire and Rain." Oh, totally! Because the whole crowd. Was crying.
2: They have their own stories. Yeah, that, everyone and that has, song yeah. reminds everyone of something different. I love being a passenger in people's lives, even if they keep me shoved in a drawer. Well, I guess it used to be shoved in a drawer like a CD. <laughs> yeah. But now, you know, maybe shoved on a shelf if it's vinyl or, you know, shoved in your old, your old music player. But whatever it is that gets people's attention and makes them place it in the chronology of their life, somehow it becomes a validation of an experience. And every time they hear that song, they'll smell popcorn the way it smelled on the pier when they first kissed her, whatever it is. And I love love the fact that I get to be that for people.
1: So two-part question. One, two or three of the songs that for you as a fan... You still have that experience with?
2: Um, Night Swimming by REM reminds me of the first time I made out and I tasted someone else's breath and it was like w- weird and <laughs> kind of wrong. And like, I was like, this isn't my saliva, this is someone else's saliva.
1: Did they and have bad breath, is what you're saying? Not even. It was all
2: very sweet. And you know, I mean, every boy's breath in seventh grade tastes like either bubble gum or raccoon poop. So I got lucky. I think I got the bubble gum guy.
1: But he spat, like he was drooly, you know? Like raccoon poop, where the fuck did you go to school?
2: Vermont, baby. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's, that's how it goes up in Vermont. We clean that shit out of our teeth all day. Anyways, that's gross. I don't know why I got there. Um, so night swimming, um, oh God, now, now, now I'm on the spot. I'm trying to think. Oh, Immigrant Song. So Immigrant Song, Zeppelin always reminds me of Car Shop. Like at, at Harwood <laughs> Union High School where where I went to school, all the like good-looking, super popular guys worked out of Car Shop. And they were in there. And the teacher was so cool. He They would... They would get to play whatever they wanted while they were doing their work. And I, as, as a female in that class, always looked forward to that class because it was the only class other than music and choir where we were allowed to listen to music while we worked. And, um, and it just gave me some sense of empowered, just like I'm a badass. I'm like fixing cars and listening to Zeppelin. Um, and then the third would be um, Sam Cooke, A Change Is Gonna Come. And I'll never forget it because I we were listening to it in the car on the way into d c to spend the night on the couch at our friend uh, Marjor- Marguerite's house in Georgetown because the next day we were going to walk from her house all the way to the Capitol to watch Obama be inaugurated. Oh, nice. and i I felt chills and I remember the windows were down. And I remember getting goosebumps and not knowing because it was fucking freezing. This is uh, 2009. Uh, it was so cold that night before the um, inauguration, and I couldn't tell if the chills were from from the Sam Cooke song or, or from the winter air. And I loved that sensation. So that was, those are all vivid memories for me.
1: Now it's interesting, as the performer, what have been the songs that so far people have had that response to your music?
2: All the songs I've been playing live... Um, it's it's weird, man. This record is just kind of getting under people's skin. Like every single song I debut, every single thing I've been playing, um, whether I tell the stories about the songs or not, people are placing this incredible amount of um, understanding and context in, into them. Um, I would say that love is love. Uh, one of the first text messages I got was from my friend Jessica who was in Russia um, prepping to... She was in quarantine preparing to launch into space to go stay on the International Space Station for the next six months. And so as she was preparing for her mission, you get to listen to a couple of songs in the cockpit of the Soyuz rocket. And so she said, would you mind if, if I bring Love is Love in there with me? I think that would be the song for me. And and just her her heart and soul and everything she's worked towards... Somehow, like, the song changed for me right then and there. So that was amazing. Um But Repossession is another song I've been playing out. It's it's actually not available yet. It's not one of the instant gratification tracks, but I have been playing it for live audiences. And everyone has heard that song. There's a moment and a lyric. I won't give it away, but there's a moment in the song where everyone just goes, oh! <laughs> <laughs> and, and it happens every time. And, and then there's... The, the Tear Jerker, which is a song called Release, and that one um, seems to just get under everyone's skin in a different way.
1: Well, <coughs> I mean, it's funny. As an artist, as I talk about with people all the time too, right? You're always trying to do your best work. Mm-hmm. But, you know, you've never achieved your best work. No, no. artist ever has because no. if you do, then what do you have to shoot for? That's
2: why I love Andrew Bird's new record, My Finest Work Yet. <laughs> it's, it's my favorite thing ever. I'm so... I just am glad he said it. Like <laughs> We always think that the newest thing we're doing is the best thing, yeah. but the way that he said it, I, is, he's, he's brilliant.
1: But it's interesting because I think that, you know, so I guess where I was going is you don't want to be confident and, and think, or right. you don't want to be cocky and think, oh, okay, this is special. But, you know, you have moments where you know you've hit something, yeah. and especially given all the shit that you've been through the last few yeah. years.
2: This is definitely one of those moments.
1: Are you surprised? Because, again, obviously you're dealing with, you know, there's so much of you in this music.
2: And more more of me than ever, because um, I've always. I've always, thinly sometimes, but I've always veiled my my narratives with everyone. I like this sort of universal human speak. And, you know, if aliens ever land on Earth, I think I would probably sing to them. Because (laughs) because even if we don't speak the same language, music is a conductor for emotion, right? It's the way that we express ourselves. Um, I've always just thought okay I can just speak to the blanket of the universe and kind of cover it with metaphors and euphemisms and people will just kind of get what I mean but this was not about that this record was like no I'm going to tell you exactly what I mean and I'm going to tell you in the circumstances that surrounded my life and my heart Um, not because I wanted to tell you but because um, these are songs I wrote when I had no intention of sharing any of this music with the world in fact I still can't believe I'm Doing that, it's it's really surreal for me to be sharing this music because this is journal entries, you know.
1: So, at what point did you decide to share it with the world?
2: Well, it was a slow burn. I um, I I do think that that you know, speaking of turning points, that the the second turning point in all of this was certainly um, having a baby and um, bringing another life into into the world and wondering to myself, what's what can I bring. What can I show this child that will help guide him um the best, and maybe the answer is that what I do best, maybe I should do what I do best a little bit because I hadn't done it in so long i'd been I'd been taking notes and like writing little you know lines of lyrics or recording little voice memos of just like ideas, but sketches, not songs, right. just almost they're my they were my um so it's sort of emotional release moments, um, but but not something like, I got to get this song done because the record company's waiting for me. I had no record company. I had no reason to be um, forcing anything. And then suddenly, this little person is in the world, and I want to I want to show them the best of the best. And I think singing is something I'm pretty good at. so and and songwriting. and so um so I started to form those ideas more clearly. and um and Eric also, my my husband, um, uh, heard some of the voice memos that I'd been taking over the over the years that I took off, and went through them. And was like, you know, there's like some really good stuff in here, right? And I was like, no, oh, those are those are just those are just notes. <laughs> They're not even ideas, but um, but they turned into daylight. So.
1: Well. It's interesting. I mean, going back to the no record company think for a second, do you find as well that that probably also for you in part it was just easier to do stuff because there was no pressure. You you weren't thinking of making a record, yeah. so there was no there was no external and there was most importantly probably I would imagine there was no internal pressure.
2: Exactly. You just you just hit the nail on the head. The internal pressure that I put on myself occasionally to achieve and to please other people it's a very inherent thing in my in my makeup as a person i love showing my love through um giving and through um generous, the generous spirit that comes with musicality you know like when you you hear somebody or talk to someone who really loves music they can't even help themselves they just grab a guitar and they're suddenly just playing and and that i missed that i missed that part of my life i'm like why don't i pick up the guitar when i'm not like has this just become a commodity that i'm like You know, hoarding. Um, And so it was so joyful and uplifting when I finally did just pick up a guitar for myself and start strumming. And that it still sounded good. And not just good, but like, whoa, where's this coming from? That was an exciting moment for me. And definitely it shepherded what came next, which was signing on with with Fantasy Records and and starting to plan for... um, you know sharing sharing some of my music with the world again.
1: Well it's interesting too did you also have to find for yourself that you know you could let go of the memories and that and that again when i think when anything becomes associated with something negative right it becomes difficult and you don't want to deal with it sure you know so at what point when you started playing i would imagine it wasn't only that it sounded good but it was like oh wait
2: this feels good makes me happy it makes me not feel pain anymore. Yeah, once you're able to solidify a feeling and emotion into a three minute, four minute song, it is this release, um, and uh, like it's it's like something you don't have to worry about anymore. The burden is off of your shoulders, and that's one of the things I love about putting out records is that it's not just me anymore. The second that these songs hit the airwaves. Um, or end up in someone's record collection, or you know, playing on your headphones as you're taking a hike that morning. It's not my burden. It's not my cross to bear. I've said the thing I need to say, and now maybe it can move forward and serve someone else in their life and bring bring peace or forgiveness. Um, and, and that really was a big one was when I started writing the happy songs because the record is really chronological. So there's only a few moments where we took them out of order, and it was specifically because a lot of the music was starting to feel real break and real nasty. <laughs> and... Um, and if we'd kept it chronological, um, the first half of the record, everyone would be like, wow, what's Grace Potter so pissed about? <laughs> and the second half of the record, they're like, who got Grace Potter all that Prozac? You know. So <laughs> so, we, so we, we did make a few shifts. And also, as I was weaving in some final lyrical tweaks, I found myself... Um, really sharing the the highs and the lows of it all because it wasn't all bad and then all good. Uh, you know, nothing in life is. Right. So this was a fabric that we wove together over time and it took, it took stepping away and, and gaining that perspective in order to be able to do that. And I was grateful for that time.
1: Well, it's interesting. I would imagine as well when you went back and looked at the voice memos and things of that nature. Yeah. Were there things that surprised you?
2: Oh my God, crazy. Like, where did that, again, like, when you're in the moment, there's all that self-doubt or you're not sure what the lyric is or whatever. But if you listen to a voice memo that you did from a year and a half ago, you don't remember what you were thinking. You don't remember how insecure you felt or how embarrassed you were that this lyric isn't quite right yet. And, you know, you, you get out of the minutia and into this incredibly creative state of mind where you just think about, well, what could this be? How could this rocket launch? What what else would we need? And that's that's really what led to a lot of my co-writes, you know, um, I was lucky enough to co-write with with a couple of amazingly talented people on this record, one of whom we we just recently lost, which was really, really tough, um, but Busby, who, who came in yeah. to, to help me complete, um, originally, I think we had like five or six songs that were all going to end up on this record, and, and we whittled it down to the three that felt really specific to my story, um, but, but Busby um, was and, and continues to be one of the reasons that I kind of pulled my head out of my ass and got back into music was because I saw this unbelievable like generator of prolific thoughts and ideas, so many of which I totally connected with. I was like, have you been reading my texts? How do you know what's <laughs> inside my mind? But a truly creative force can do that. And I think you know he he burned he burned so hot and um, found out a month and a half ago that he had brain cancer. Mm. And we lost him just over a week ago. It was really, really tough. Um, but i'm I'm and it's it's hard um, to think about it, but at the same time, I'm just so grateful. Uh, For the time I had, and that I was so open to co-writing because I used to be an asshole about co-writing. Oh my god, you know, talk to anybody who had to work with me for the last fifteen years about co-writes, and they would say, "What? Grace Potter was like excited to co-write with somebody?" I've I've always been very, very cagey about that stuff. So,
1: but I would imagine it's something that came very much with age because as you as you age, yeah, you know, you get more comfortable and you get more open to stuff. And it's funny, we were just talking about. This uh, Adam, the producer, and I were talking about this in regards to an artist who I will not name, because they were, you know, a fucking sociopath. Oh yeah. And that that person who most people in life, as you get older, you realize you don't know everything, and your life becomes much happier. Yeah. You get the sociopaths.
2: They don't who, ever get
1: it. Yeah. Who think that you know they think they have a quote unquote unmatched wisdom. Yeah. And you know then. Oh, I
2: like that. That's a quote. Now I got to find <laughs> out who this is.
1: <laughs> oh well, that was Trump.
2: Okay, oh, 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 oh yeah. I see. okay, yeah.
1: but the artist, it's like what a, yeah. what a
2: megalomaniac would say that, unmatched uh-huh. wisdom, oh, okay, yes, yeah,
1: that. but in regards to, you know, the the artist, again, it's like there's just this belief that they know more than everybody yeah. and everything, right? But as you for most people, you realize as you get older, yeah, you don't, and you become no. more open, and you like being around people. Yeah, who complement what it is you don't know.
2: Yeah, I love learning. It's that, that that just insatiable curiosity for life, and knowing that you don't know anything. It's it's. I think parenthood has been really good for me. I've been relearning the English language as I'm trying to teach <laughs> my son how to say the word bike. Because he keeps on messing up his consonants. And now I, I find myself, especially when I'm singing, really going out of my way to make sure that I'm using the right consonants. because sometimes I have this kind of weird Texas accent that happens when I'm singing that d- comes from nowhere. I don't know why. <laughs> I'm definitely not from Texas. But it makes me want to kind of reconsider how I how I form my, my, my sentences and you know, not knowing everything is what makes us human you know having more to learn that's that's what keeps us here on earth is that we're still we're still figuring it out
1: well here now i'll name drop a biggie for you oh but i got lucky to interview and this is one of my favorite quotes ever uh years ago i got to interview bb king when Mm -hmm. he was in his 70s -hmm. and it was amazing because it was so daunting and intimidating. me he was so nice but it was interesting because he had started playing clarinet just
2: at the in At 70?
1: Yeah. And I was, and I asked him, I'm like, why are you... He, it's amazing. Why are you taking on this new instrument yeah. now? And his response was so great. He goes, because every day you lo- learn something is a day that's lost.
2: Oh, my God. I love it. it I it's love a, it.
1: Yeah. And it's, it's again, this is like 20-something. I remember this quote. But it's interesting for you then as you approach this, and especially as you're seeing so much of the world through your kid's eyes now as well. Yeah. Yep. What are the things in the last year that you've learned in particular that you can then Take forward musically that you're that you're excited to take forward.
2: That my voice is better when it's a little bit broken. That that's the number one thing I've learned is that um, when I sugarcoat or try to be pitch perfect or um, try to make sure that I'm giving the right air support under a, a a a word, and the word is a word of vulnerability. You that that completely plays against the message of the song, and I've always prided myself in. Singing out and having a real power behind my voice, and it, I, I think the vulnerability and brokenness that we got on this record, specifically because Eric insisted on it. Um, he you know he's been making records a long time, and I trust him implicitly. But when he was like, no no no, worse, do it worse. <laughs> like just just break up more, and not like break up like get the distortion in your voice, but like be broken. The lyric is so broken, you know. I I loved. Um, experiencing that and also feeling comfortable enough to be vulnerable and I think it takes sometimes living with your record producer (laughs) and having a studio in your garage to be able to get to that place emotionally Um, but he did it with, with a live band the whole record was done live we, um, we got the band in, in the room, and the stakes were high, you know, like, Ben Montent shows up, and everybody has, like, a shot of espresso, and my drummer's in the corner, and the doors are all shut, and the tape reels are rolling, and it's just tape. So, like, this is the real thing, this is the real deal, don't fuck up. And, um the The mistakes I made in those vocal performances are still there and naked and completely available to the listener, and it's what makes this record. I feel as I hear it, more. uh, There's so much more depth and so many more layers to it. And every time I hear it, instead of cringing and going, "Oh God, why didn't we just do another take?" I'm proud of it because it was just a moment. It's just a capture of of an emotional state of being. You know.
1: You know the Tom Waits song, "Ruby's Arms."
2: Mm, I don't know song names, but if you could sing it to me, then I would... uh, No
1: one fucking wants to hear that. Well,
2: come on. But if
1: you go look up Ruby's heart, but it's interesting because... What album is it from? Heart Attack and Vine. Oh, okay. And a lot of people think, you know, have said that they don't like Tom Waits' voice. Tom Waits to me is my favorite songwriter who ever lived. But it's interesting because his vocals on that, I think, are as good as anybody's I've ever heard. Because of that desperation. Because of that moment. So it's interesting for you, when you go back and listen to this record now... Are there particular vocal moments yeah. where you you are take great pride, or like where you're, or, or you're surprised by how much you let it go, but you're pleasantly surprised?
2: I'm scared by it, honestly. I'm, I'm surprised by it, but what scares me is that um, that I've been I, I've been hiding this part of myself for so long. I didn't know I didn't know what I was missing out on by allowing myself to break up and be and i was I, we all got sick actually at the beginning of of tracking so there's a lot that you can hear in there that's also just this kind of like am i do i how do I? I don't remember what's going on here, and I love that about this record because it's almost like I'm listening to someone else sing. I don't like listening to my own music usually. Like, I, I'm a lot. Of, a lot of artists will will just make a record and then it goes out to the world and they never listen to it again. That's 99
1: percent of artists. It's, yeah. it's, it's, it's 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 a joke. Yeah, that I've used with people. How do you tell the the psychopath? The artist who listens to his own music. it listens yeah. to their
2: own music, yeah. yeah. It was weird though. I mean, the listening session that we had at my house. Um, that I wasn't invited to, yeah. That you were invited to. I mean, uh, yeah, it just got lost in the mail. It's but, all good, but yeah. Um, it was. Got sent to my
1: spam folder because who the fuck uses mail anymore? Exactly.
2: Yeah. <laughs> See, I didn't sign up for this whole email thing, anyways. I don't know. I don't know where people come up with this whole email. I
1: don't, <laughs> oh, God.
2: Inbox zero. Come on. <laughs> Nobody, that's, you haven't lived a full life if your inbox is at zero. You're looking at me like I don't. I disagree. All right. I didn't know that.
1: Yeah. No. I'm looking more like wait. Who's inbox is ever zero?
2: Oh, my assistant actually, and she's got an amazing, meticulous way of of clearing out my spam folder. Anyways, back to the listening party. I don't know how many more times I'll listen to this record, but every time I do, I'm I'm glad I did, and I'm proud. And I that that doesn't always happen. So so something good is something good is going on here. I think.
1: Cool. So what are the touring plans? You're doing it? You're doing 2020. By the way, one thing I want to ask you I about I thought that- you
2: just said, what are the two implants? You asked, <laughs> what are the touring plans, yes, right? Okay. Yeah, yes. i like, I did not get implants. <laughs> I did not. That's just what happens when you have a baby, okay? All right. My boobs are bigger and the tour starts January 2020. Well, wait.
1: I, I said, I, if I had said what are the two implants I could, it could have been anything it could have been the eyes could have been lips whatever you know oh I know
2: I, yeah that's right it could have been butt you know
1: mm-hmm. but this being said by the way one thing before we wrap up yeah because it's interesting in the four years that you were you know basically taking off yeah you still have done the festival in Vermont correct
2: yeah I've always kept that foothold you know yeah. I'm very proud of
1: that festival because we talked about it the very first year you did it yeah yeah
2: God that's right we had an interview the first and you were like what do you think's going to happen I was like I don't know because also the only thing I had to go on was the experience I had at other festivals. I knew about the terrible ones and I knew about the amazing ones. And I knew that everything we were doing was gonna be a miniature version of the best of the best. The things that we'd seen that we could cherry pick and make special. And um
1: what's yeah. It, what's interesting though now is do you feel like a bit of a trendsetter? Because there have been a lot more artists run festivals since that one.
2: I, I that has never occurred to me. No, I, I mean maybe, but I think all artists are figuring out that if you really want to create a, a successful life, uh, you have to brand it. In in the in the way that you have become successful, the way that I became successful was through festivals. So it seemed fitting for me that and and brand on point with my brand or whatever you want to say mm-hmm. that I would have a festival because it's where it's where I grew from. But um, for other artists who have taken on that. Um, that method of doing, yeah, I think it was just something that was in the collective unconscious. You know, it was like how the Big Bang, there was like a bunch of scientists that were right. sort of right at the fringe of it. I, I would say Grand Point North, my, my festival, which is going to have its 10th annual this this coming Good September. God. I know, I know. And it's not going to be on Yom Kippur this year, so you can come. <laughs> okay. But um, it was very, it was very important to me to have the festival be um, a reflection of my my lifestyle and a reflection of and honoring the the world I came from, which is so, di- it's not rock and roll at all, it's it's beautiful green rolling hills and cows and maple leaves and, and a lot of like do-it-yourself home improvement projects you know, <laughs> and car fixing and raccoon poop scooping
1: so, now I'm curious and then we'll wrap up that's not what say. the
2: festival's about but,
1: sorry, <laughs> sorry <laughs> all good, um Oh, that would be a weird side attraction. Yeah, you know? Raccoon Poop Station. Yeah. Check it out. I don't Ugh. know. Yeah, I don't know how. Yeah. But what one artist would you like to see do their own festival? For you as a fan that you would just like to attend?
2: Oh, that's such a good question. Um, I think Dolly Parton would put on an incredible festival.
1: Yeah, it's funny. As you say that, it seems so that, that, that she should have already many yeah, times like, over what the fuck how is she not one those? she yeah. should
2: have and like Dollywood maybe is her version of that so maybe she doesn't need to but, but to have her there and also like if you saw the whole lineup of, of the incredible women that were at Newport Folk Festival that all ended up on stage together um, I, I, I hope I don't need to list them all off because it's just uh, I, I'm going to get it all kinds of wrong but yeah. Brandy Carlisle Mar- Maren Morris um, well the, the high women yes the high women and Do- dolly yeah. but a lot of other women were up on that stage and i thought to myself this looks like dolly's festival even though i know there's a lot of beautiful gears that had to turn to get all those women on stage together i thought this feels like um she's been the ringmaster of all of all of these uh, flames these amazing fiery inspired women that are they're that sharing their music with the world that are a lot younger than her but she's She's been a torch that's burned hot and bright for a long time. So, I would like to see a Dolly Parton festival for sure.
1: Okay, wait. Now I'm going to put you on the spot for one more question because yes. this is cuz as you're talking about, you know, Dolly and the influence she has. I saw Brandy do Johnny Mitchell Blue last night. Oh
2: my god. The whole album? Yeah. Wait, is she doing that right now?
1: No, she did one time, one show only. Oh
2: God, I love her. She's and it was so like amazing. One of the
1: greatest fucking things I've ever seen. She's so just, not to rub it in. Yeah, I
2: love. Yeah, and th- that's another really cool thing um, in connecting with all these women and seeing how, especially Brandy, has been just branching out and creating opportunities for other artists. Um, that is sort of what happens when you when you hit this point in your career where you're kind of like. I mean I I sang on stage with the Rolling Stones. I got to sing "Give Me Shelter." And you know, like that happened. I could just quit and and sock it away and say, "Yep, I'm awesome." Or you can take everything you've learned and you can make the world better by sharing the vital things that you've learned in your life and 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 shepherding the next generation. And I don't I don't think Brandy is trying to do that. I think th- this is all one generation. I'm, I'm a part of her generation, but I do see this this sea change in musicians and creatives supporting one another instead of competing with one another. And we, Brandy and I have talked about it so many times, and I just love that she's absolutely putting her money where her mouth is so much more than a lot of people in the careers as we were coming up through this and looking up to people. It's like this whole thing is just... It's it's spooling into an amazing explosion of of support and creativity that's coming out just now. I feel like there's something something going on in the air. What's
1: well, really interesting, you say that because I got lucky and got to interview back to back in a short period, Melissa Etheridge and Sheryl Crow, both mm-hmm. of whom I absolutely love. I love them. And they were talking about the fact that you know now they're friends, but they felt like when they came up, they had to compete with one another. Well, it wasn't that they were competing with it. They, Everybody it,
2: was pitting them against exactly. Each other.
1: Like there's basically only one spot on totally. radio for them. So it's interesting now and I think oh, I, the-
2: I I was told that. Really? About me and Brandy. We that's what we talked about it was like it's either you or her. We can't play two women in the same 5 song set. You know, that's obvious. I'm like is that obvious? What are you talking about? So who won? Uh, I'm pretty sure Brandy won. <laughs> 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 but you know, it's it's so it's so cool to me to get to the other side of that and realize that like my kid is gonna live in a world where that is just not okay. And people are gonna laugh about these stories later. Cheryl and Melissa went through the entire sea change. There's a lot more artists I, I you know, I won't name, but I, I was also put in that position many times with the artists I loved and admired. I couldn't wait to play with. I was like, oh I'm dying to play with. And they're like, No way, you know, because like you don't ever want the audience to have to choose. No. You know, and they'd say, "Grace, don't worry. It's because you're too good. Take it as a compliment that they won't bring you on tour." I'm like, "That's really fucked up." But, so you know, yeah. I'm okay with it now.
1: Well, yeah, I mean, it's interesting the way that they sugarcoat. You know, yeah. oh, you're too good. But now, the reason I brought up Brandy specifically in the show last night, yeah, if there was one album that you were going to do start to finish. From someone else, Low to B.
2: Mm. Ooh, ooh, ooh. And it's funny as we're having
1: this conversation, then, like, for example, I love Melissa's first album. It's one of my favorite albums of all yeah. time. Yeah. You know?
2: What was the um, Johnny Cash record with Orange Blossom special on
1: it? I do not know, but I can Google that when my phone's over there. Because so, I know. was just
2: listening to it. And I listened through it, and every single song. There's a bunch of. There's a Dylan cover on there he 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 covers Long Black Veil. So it's it's really it's not just Johnny Cash, but it's an album full of songs that I want to play all. And it was just he got it all together in one place.
1: Well, so it's, it's interesting just, because uh, Brandi was saying that you know part of her reasoning for doing Blue yeah. is very simple: is that Johnny can't do it anymore. So she's like, it's one of the great albums of all time. Absolutely. And you want people want to be able to experience it live. And so I, think I, I just, as it's, someone who loved Johnny Cash. Yeah. You know? Yes, that would be amazing to see because we can't see him do it again, you know.
2: I and I wish we could and I, I yeah. you know, it makes me sad that that there's there's going to be a time and place where I can't sing these damn notes and I'm going to have to find somebody to come in and <laughs> and do it and I, I hope you know, I would love to hear that that Daylight is a an album that that people would want to recreate down the line. I've already had this it's so surreal. There's already, you know, now with social media, there's people coming up with versions of my songs and like songs from daylight are already being performed. It's, I feel like everybody's just been hanging out in my living room listening to me. And now to hear people um, figure it out and move forward with it and say, this is my interpretation of it. It's, it's a very exciting thing. It's really, it's, it's heartening. And I'm, I'm so glad Joni uh, gets to hear that that album being recreated by Brandy because I, I bet you she I bet you she would really enjoy that. I don't want to put words in Joni's mouth. Just...
1: Well, she was there and she was seemed to be having a great time. As she was sitting next to Elton John, so there you go.
2: Oh, that. Yeah. You know.
1: <laughs> and by the way, the name of the album, Adam just looked it up, was Orange Blossom Special. So there you go. Yeah.
2: That, I was right on target there with Orange Blossom
1: Special. <laughs> cool. And so you got the two implants and the tour starts in 2020.
2: That's right,
0: exactly.
1: <laughs> <laughs> what are the touring implants?
2: Um... Yeah, this is this tour is going to be a pretty good one. I'm I'm excited to get the family on the road. We're gonna we're gonna you know re rig the bus so that we have uh, baby friendly accommodations, and we're just gonna sort of um, go gypsy style for the first for the first half of the, the spring, winter, and spring. So all the way through March, I think we have at least thirty six dates booked. Um, so it's all U S. Uh, maybe there's a little bit of Canada, but I'm pretty sure it's all U S. so far. Um, and then who knows what'll happen in the summertime. I assume uh, as as the summer comes around some really exciting stuff is
1: gonna get added. So I'm just guessing if the whole ba- if the whole bus is gonna be rigged to be baby friendly. Yeah. It's gonna look a lot different than when we did the interview at the shrine when you opened for our plant. I
2: let's yeah. lest we forget. That was a very different bus, different time. But be- I mean, what a cool night that was. Do you remember you we you came backstage? I feel like we had something where we couldn't hang out because, like, Robert was talking to me and was telling a story, and you were like, Oh, I've already heard that story. It, uh, yeah, he was <laughs> telling me something, and you were like, Oh, is that the one about when, when Jimmy Page and he couldn't play? Anyways, I, I don't remember exactly what
1: it was, but. But I remember we did it on the bus because it was Robert's backstage. Yes. And that was okay. Yeah. Because it's Robert Plant. Yeah. You know? And- I mean, he's a yeah.
2: pretty great guy. Yeah, I, I loved was- that tour. That was so fun.
1: And it was a great interview. It was fun. So, and look at, man, that was a long time ago.
2: It now. was. It's weird. That was like six years ago, seven years ago. Was it really? Mm-hmm. I
1: feel like it was longer than that.
2: Well, But you I know. lose all
1: sense of time, so, you know.
2: Yeah. I, I've, I've, I've certainly done that as, as the years have gone by. It's, it's amazing. It, it makes you value every day, though. I, I, I really don't want to forget anything that's happened. And, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy that time is passing quickly, but I'm also, you know, then, like, I wake up and my kid is, like, two. How is that possible? He's almost two.
1: I mean, yeah, yeah. I'm sure you felt like you just gave a, you I feel, I'm sure you felt like you just gave birth yeah, to him. That's
2: why you thought I had implants. And now, he, yeah. and now he's
1: sitting there measuring his dick size in the bathtub. Yeah, his
2: dick. Oh my god, <laughs> my son taking a bath with his best friend, um, and both of them just staring at each other's willies, trying to figure out what's going on down there. And it's like, well, you've got a lifetime of finding <laughs> out, my son.
1: <laughs> cool. <laughs> I feel like, you know, the, the point of, of people recreating daylight yes. was a good moment to wrap up, but we've kept going so we
2: we keep wandering off, don't yeah. we? Yeah.
1: Anything you want to add? We did not ask you about.
2: I just want to talk about this thing that I've been staring at the whole time. Nobody, nobody in the broadcast will quite understand this, but incredibly distracting slash awesome weird screensaver where there's just a bunch of album covers and they keep flipping and falling and like there's a bunch of them.
1: My guess is, yeah, that these were albums that were recorded at Sunset Marquee Nightbird. Safe
2: is a safe guess. You know, yeah, that that
1: that, that's the guess.
2: Yep, but and it's very cool stuff. Um when i'm talking about the music that we're talking about and then i'm seeing carly ray Jepsen and drake you know and all of these bands it's it's kind of amazing it puts things in perspective yet again and reframes we're, we're about
1: the the three in a row of of drake carly ray and yep. michael bolton
2: michael bolton yes. wait where is michael bolton oh there he is he's a in yeah of hits, oh yeah. a symphony yeah. of hits god some really some really amazing Cilo, Green, fuck Cilo. you yep, yeah fuck you drake fancy we got anyways I, yeah, so. I just want all of the listeners to know that if I ever sounded distracted or was stuttering or kind of like run on sentencing, it's because I was just trying to not look at the screensaver this whole time.
1: It does look like a weird video game. It's like one of those games where you try and knock things over. Yeah. And then you knock over the album cover. A domino yeah. effect. Yeah.
2: yeah. I'm watching Lana Del Rey fall over top of Rihanna and then land on Drake. I never I thought like I'd, I'd gonna- say that out loud. <laughs> <laughs> I wish I was kidding, but that's what's <laughs> happening. more on, y'all. Okay. Well, so good talk. On that note, yeah, good talk. It was really good. I always love talking to you.
1: <laughs> hey, this is Steve Boston and you have been listening to My Turning Point with guest Grace Potter. Always such a pleasure to hang out with Grace, and thanks for joining us. Hope you enjoyed it as much as we did. Sometimes you need to take control to make a difference. That's why with FlexPath from Capella University, you're in control. Set your own deadlines and leverage your experience to move at a pace that works for you. Discover a different way forward at capella.edu.
0: It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football